This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Hey everybody, it's John Hall, and sitting across from me is Mike Pallon from Microphone Brewing in Chicago, uh, but who, I don't even think you spend all that much time in Chicago anymore. You're, <laughs> like, Mr. Anymore. You're like Mr. Collaboration when it comes to, uh, uh, to, to beers. So we're going to talk about your brewery, we're going to talk about uh, collaborations and working with fun ingredients, but first, uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that this episode is brought to you by G&D Chillers, and as the brewing industry's premier choice for glycol chilling... G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality service and dedication to their customers' craft. For 25 years, G&D has led the way on innovative solutions that match their brewing customers' immediate and future needs. With a wide selection of custom-built chillers, G&D offers the Nano Chiller, the perfect solution for nano breweries, all the way up to their larger capacity units like the Vertical Air Chiller, built for higher volume operations. Contact G&D Chillers today for your chiller sizing needs at 1-800-555-0973 or reach out online at gdchillers.com. And this episode is also brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association, host of HomebrewCon, publisher of Zymergy Magazine, and organizer of the National Homebrew Competition. Well, Mike, thanks for sitting down and joining, uh, joining the podcast uh, for the second time. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the first time that we actually sat down was at the Weldworks Invitational uh, uh, earlier this summer, and uh, the, the audio just didn't work. And I was so bummed because uh, it was such a fun conversation, and I'm going to try to recapture some of that lightning in a bottle um, uh, today. But we find ourselves in Breckenridge, Colorado, again. So two guys from out of state once again meeting uh, here in Colorado at the Big Beers, Belgians, and Barley Wines Festival, uh, which is happening uh, this uh, second weekend here in January. Um, and you came into town a few days early before this festival, and you've already done 90, 100? How many collaborations have you done so far? <laughs> yeah, this week I've done about 200. Uh, no, <laughs> we, did, uh, we did two. So we did one at uh, Cerebral um, and then another one at Outer Range yesterday. I guess before we, we fully talk about the collaborations, for the folks who don't know Microphone, uh, and I imagine our listeners do because they're plugged into you know, hip breweries of the moment, um, how, how do you describe it to people? So Microphone is a small um, nano brewery based on music. I used to work in the music industry um, and I was homebrewing at the same time. I wanted to combine my two passions of music and beer. And so we created Microphone Brewing. Obviously, my name is Mike. So we played off that. So sure. it's M-I-K-E-R-P-H-O-N-E. Um, and just kind of went off of that. You know, everything has some kind of reference to music, be it a, a song name or album name or a reference to a band or some kind of music terminology. Um, we just have fun with it. And, you know, we started brewing in the early part of 2015. That same year, we got uh, Rapier Best for Illinois. And we were on the, the top list of breweries in the country from Beer Advocate. Um, and that kind of just propelled us to the next level. That was through a contract brew se- a series of two years doing contract brewing. Um, and we finally got our own space open at the beginning of 2017. Well, you had a really interesting journey, though, of how you got to your brewery. I mean, like you were working for other brewers, but you had your side project. You had, you know, I mean, like that I think is interesting to so many people because there's so many different paths to getting your own place. And sure. it's not always just, oh, I went to the bank, I got a loan, we bought stainless, uh, you know, here we are. A lot of the time, it's 
you know, finding ways in. And when you can have collaborative partners uh, that, you know, sort of help you while you're also helping them, uh, I, I find that really interesting. And I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that that hasn't happened more. I mean, there's some folks who just don't want it, want that model as part of their business. But then I think there's other folks in this collaborative industry that, that are, that are really into it. Yeah. So if we rewind back to 2010, that's when my wife and I got our house and uh, we were very lucky that the basement had like pitched floors, <laughs> hot water, cold water splitter, a cellar. So we converted that into a, ba- a basement brewery and started going at it. And with my marketing background, I knew I had to put a name to it. And so that's when we started microphone um, out of the basement. And then during that time is when small breweries were starting to pop up in Chicago. So Pipeworks was the, the first one that mm-hmm. caught my attention. And you now on their Facebook, they're like, Hey, does anyone want to come down to the brewery and help us today? So I did, and that was when they were moving their first fermenters in. And from that day forth, they were always like, come by and help us brew or help us package. Um, and during that time, that's where I met Drew Fox from 18th Street. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of helping him with his Kickstarter campaign um, and helping him brew some beers. One and that was an Indiana to, brewery? Uh, yeah, he's just over in Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Um, and the, the thought was, all right, let's, you know, he tried a bunch of my home brews and absolutely loved it, loved the marketing behind it. He was going to extend an opportunity to do an old prop at his place. So it'd be 18th street and microphone within the Gary walls. Um, but then he had an interesting opportunity to be the head brewer at a new startup brew pub in Chicago. Um, but he was already too far down the road with 18th street. So he offered that opportunity to me and I took that job. Um, unfortunately that just never got off the ground. And so that was at a time where, um, it was very stressful for me and my wife and we had a, a young daughter at the time. And we decided, you know what, let's just finally invest in ourselves and start Microphone as a pro brewery. Yeah. Um, and that's, that was right at two, 2015 and we just hit the ground running. And and you sort of hit that wave, right? I mean, 2015 was one of those years where I think when we look back 10 years from now or 20 years from now, that 2015 is kind of going to be one of those seminal years. I think 2012 was uh, 2011, 2012. But 2015 struck me as there was a lot of your generation of brewers that fully embraced the smaller model, um, uh, generally just sort of celebrated fuckery in general, uh, you know, with beer. Um, and all sort of like, you all kind of like came up at the same time. And uh, I don't know, there, there, there's sort of a camaraderie that I don't think we saw in the industry for a good period of time. Like you saw it in the early days with everybody kind of getting together and then it sort of everybody went into their own little holes yep. uh, for a bit. And now it seems like there's... I don't know, with, with your group of brewers, that sort of camaraderie that happened. Yeah, and I think it was kind of just a, a product of, you know, this one brewery, Pipeworks for us, kind of incubated a home and a safe place for us to kind of learn and help each other and then split off from there. So, you know, out of there came Spiteful, out of there came 18th Street. Um, we, I came out of there. Um, Slapshot was doing some stuff there. So it's we, we learned a lot out of that one place, and we all kind of had each other's backs. Um, and still holds true back in Chicago. We've got a little thing called the Itty Bitty Brewers Group that if, hey, I need a bag of Simcoe hops, and immediately someone's like, oh, I got those, I got you taken care of. Or like, I have a question, or I have my chillers broken down. Um, we're, we're still there to help each other, even though it's gotten incredibly congested. I think when I first started, we were like pushing to that 4,000 brewery rate number. Yeah. Um, and now we're talking over 7,000 yeah. in, in a short time. Yeah. And so you're starting to see that crunch back home. Um, but we're all still there to help each other out because we are small businesses. A lot of us are privately owned. This is, you know, our family's monies that we pooled together to kind of get this thing off the ground. And we yeah. take a lot of pride and respect in that. And we look at the other breweries who do the same and we want them to see them be successful. And, you know, if they ever need anything, we're here for them. So I, I, I find that interesting, though, just because 
it is such a business at, at the same time. Like you have to worry, you know, you, like you want to be good to your friends and you want to be good to, to other folks in the industry, but then you also have to worry about your own bottom line and paying your employees and making sure that, you know, your beer gets out there. And as much as, you know, I, and, and this is where I find it really interesting is there's so many, you know, brewers who sort of talk the game of collaboration, but then, you know, there's somebody in the back room who is uh, trying to find ways of screwing other brewers, you know, at a, at a business. Um, but it, it strikes me, at least in the, 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 the folks that I've seen you around with, that um, you can all sort of coexist in the same world because you're all doing just different enough from each other um, or, you know, have your own fan bases uh, that, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, feeding your employees or, you know, keeping your, 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 your lights on, um, while also trying to make sure that, you know, the guy down the street, uh, doesn't do better than you. hundred percent. I mean, I think I can't speak for everybody for us. We've always trying to find that, that balance of let's have a good work environment, but also yeah. a good, um, fun life on the outside of it. And you know, we're only making a little over a thousand barrels a year, so we're not pumping too hard. Um, but we found that that number gets us to a place where we can save some money and invest in expansion. We can take care of all of our employees. We can give them benefits, um, and you know, continue to make the quality product we do, and we spare no sacrifices when we come to ingredients. You know, we're sometimes spending close to twenty thousand dollars on a uh, vanilla just for one batch of beer. Um, but those are the because you're buying the real thing. Yeah, real thing. And the at the all prices time. are just astronomical. These yeah, it's days. just gone through. If I wish I would have bought a, a vanilla plantation at some point, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else who's exactly on this crunch. But I mean, I think you know when we started the microphone space in Elk Grove, there was nothing around us. We were on a complete desert island out there and now we've got breweries like Unane that's about 15 minutes away more brewing 15 minutes away sure. and we've all kind of like seen a rise of that you know these consumers who come out it's a suburb destination they want to bounce around if they're going to take the time to come out from the city or come in from Wisconsin or Indiana or Michigan they want to hit up a few locations so it's kind of really helped us to have this suburban corridor out there um, and you know people bounce around and I don't see those guys as competition I just see them as kind of like the spillover effect, you know, we're, we're all here together close enough, but not, not too close. Right. They're not next door, next door, but um, I wouldn't mind another brewery in Elkgrove to be honest with you. I think it'd be fun for all of us to have that kind of close camaraderie and we could help each other out. And, you know, if you're ever in a pinch and Hey neighbor, you got any sugar, it, it's there for you. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's, we're not making enough where we're, you know, having to really, Oh my gosh, we have 30,000 barrels to move. What are we going to do? A thousand barrels is completely manageable and, you know, we sell 95% of our product in-house right now, um, which, really? is, which is great. We, we barely go out to distribution. And if we do, we go to maybe 10 stores at a time. Are you doing self-distribution? Yep, self-distribution. Um, and we'll stick to that. I mean, it's just it's fun for us to, you know, have that interface with our stores who've helped us since day one. And that's that's kind of where the model has changed a lot, right? Like that crowd of breweries who's, you know, the Pipeworks and um, Spifles and 18th Streets and Microphones at the beginning, we were humping as hard as we could to make beer, packaging it, loading it up in a van and getting it to every store we possibly could. So strictly brew package distro. Yeah. Now that model, you know, in early 14 or into 15 was you need to have a tasting room. You need to have that destination where people can come drink at the source. And now I'm starting to see back home that because we have so many breweries, you know, Chicago just got named number one with like 167 breweries in the Chicagoland area. Um, people have great beer within five minutes of them, 10 minutes of them. So now you have to not only have your on-site location for those people who want to come out and experience the brand, but you also need to go out back to distro and get beer into that market. Otherwise, you know, they don't need to buy it. They'll yeah. go and buy the other beer. Um, so our plan for this 2019 is that we're finishing up our expansion right now. Um, and that the main point of the expansion is getting that can line up and running. Sure. Cause 
the, the shift from bottles to cans was pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Did you was, ever bottle? Uh, we all, we still bottle. Okay. So we've got a 750 milliliter line and a 12 ounce line. Okay. Um, and everything, you know, back in the day, cans, everything yeah. was bombers and 750s. Right. And now like these I mean, days, I mean, it's nothing. You it's can't. the death of it. it yeah. Is. We've been talking about that at the magazine. It's just, you know, is this package not long for and It was a paradigm and, shift. I remember back in the day when beer and can was seen as swill and yeah. now it's completely turned on its head. And if you aren't in cans, it's cans that get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've already invested in our cane line. We got a cane line out of Colorado twin monkeys. Um, we've had it in our building for almost six months now. We're just waiting to finish out the expansion <laughs> yeah. and get into cans. So uh, I feel like every day I have to answer like, why are you not in cans? Why are you not in cans? And it's just a product of our space. Uh, but we should be up and running this, this canning machine hopefully by March. Um, and that'll be a huge change for us. So I, I, I'm curious, though, about the large format bottles. Are, are you, Will you keep them for certain beers? 100%. Okay. Yeah, like a lot of our I, sour I think stuff. they still should be an occasion bottle. Like yeah. it's it's Cans just doesn't play for everything. And there's Stout, some, Like our stouts, our, our big adjunct stouts, yeah. and our um, sours will stay in the 750s for sure. Okay. Um, a lot of that comes down to also price. I mean, there's no – and we've, we've – we decided to go this year of putting our barrel aged beers into four pack, twelve ounce bottles. Okay. Um, and the price point, you know, it was sticker shock for some people. Fifty, sixty bucks for a four pack, and you know, I faced right away. You see that, you go, "Holy cow, that's expensive." Yeah. But if you do the per ounce, you're like, "Oh, actually, it's cheaper than buying a two bombers." Yeah. Uh, but that sticker shock is where it's hard. So if we were to put, you know, Imperial smells like bean spirit in a four pack, it's going to be pushing that forty, forty five bucks. Jesus. Um, but if we put it, keep it in the 750, you can get that out to them at 15 bucks a bottle and not, yeah. not you know, ruffle any feathers. So certain beers like that have to stick in, yeah. into that 750. It just format. makes sense. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I, could, I, can't, I can't even imagine some of the internet comments that you'd get for something like that. Yeah. And but. honestly, like, I'm a firm believer that the beer is better in bottle. <laughs> um, Are you? Know, you? I, with the machine that we have, you know, DO is pretty low. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got way smaller opening on top, less, you know, we're capping on foam, yeah. less chance of DO on that. Um, you know, our K-line is supposed to have a low DO, but you never know those, you know, it's got way more. You're going to have to spend some time dialing in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I just think that, you know, the glass is stronger and glass can hold up longer. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, everything is just completely flipped and went to cans. So all of our hoppy beers will go in cans, but we're going to start doing, we'll put regular bean spirit in a can, which is like a, you know, 7% style. We'll put that mm-hmm. in a can. Um, we'll start doing some, you know, pilsners and lagers and cans, but, um, we're just excited to finally get back into that capture moment where everyone else is in cans. We're like the last ones to, to get to cans. But, um, a lot of that was also just product of me and my employees. I wanted to stick to us owning our own equipment mm-hmm. and having my employees or me part of that too package our own, our goods. So, you know, mobile canning became a huge thing back in Illinois. Um, and that's where you saw a lot of these smaller breweries coming out with cans pretty quickly. Um, uh, but we wanted to, like I said, own our own stuff and own our own product and own up to our own packaging. So that's where we're a little behind, but we'll be there soon in the next few months. Cool. Um, just going to take a quick break right here. And great beers are made from select ingredients. With BSG, you'll bring the world to your brew house with an unparalleled and diverse selection of ingredients from across the globe to just down the road. Their dedicated customer service team and industry experience provides you with the assistance you need every step of the way. Let BSG be your supplier of choice for products essential to making great artisanal beverages so you can stay focused on your craft. For more information, visit us, and them, I guess, at bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact them at 1-800-374-2739. Mike, you're sitting back down. Thanks so much. No problem. Uh, we're drinking Hellas from... 
Bierstadt Lager House in Denver, which I think for every brewer and beer fan who comes into town now, uh, it is like the stop. Like, it was you have slammed to. during GBF. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to be drinking that Slowport Pills. It's so good. Um, it is. And I so love their good. Bon Me sandwich, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. So With it's the like, salmon? Yeah. Oh, money. It's great. Yeah, it's so. a great sandwich. I had it, I had it uh, for lunch. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the relationship of music and beer. Because it's it's one of these things that, you know, you sometimes hear about, like, collaborations. Like, Stone just announced that they're doing something with Metallica, and everybody's like, oh, okay, great. Like, you know, and there's been brewers that have done beers with musicians. Um, you know, Dogfish Head a couple years ago did Bitches Brew uh, inspired by Miles Davis. And, you know, there's there's like a, you know, some, some, there's been some cool things, but a lot of the time there's been, I don't know if it's necessarily just like marketing or if it's just sort of, uh, hey, this is something easy that people understand and beer is maybe not something that people understand. Um, and so merging the two together. But w- where do you see the relationship of what music brings to beer and I guess vice versa? I mean, for me, it's always just been a natural product. You know, once I started making beer and being in the music industry, those two are hand in hand. Every time you go to a concert, it was always have a beer and enjoy the, the show. Um, but as we got deeper into it, you know, this was kind of us showcasing our, our soundtrack to life. You know, mm-hmm. the songs that influence us, the bands that have influenced us. You'll see a lot of, you know, alternative 90s um, references or nowadays a lot of EDM, a lot of hip hop references. Um, it just so, kind of showcases what we listen to and what kind of music styles and genres have influenced us in the past. And honestly, I can't live without music. It's like actually on my arm, I have where words fail. Music speaks. Um, music speaks to me every minute of the day. And even when I'm sleeping, I'm listening to music in my head. It's just what, it's my, my heartbeat. It's what keeps me going. Um, and I'm open to all genres. You gotta, I think you gotta understand it and appreciate yeah. it. Um, and I, you know, I loved working in the music industry. I did a lot of music marketing, music promotions. Um, it was just fun to see how consumers are attracted to music. Um, and it's, it's a big influencer and it's a big part of people's life. And so is beer. Um, beer has become way less taboo than it used to be in the back in the day. You know, if you were a beer drinker, you were kind of seen as an alcoholic and a lot of it was closeted. Now it's beer is everywhere, right? You've got it. We're here at a, a ski resort. And yeah. It's, it's everywhere. A family ski resort. A family no ski less, resort. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and a, look at all of our tasting rooms nowadays. They're family friendly. I mean, well, some of them are. Let's, let's not even open. The <laughs> rooms. I don't need the Twitter. Well, microphone Twitter, is yeah. microphone is family friendly. And yeah. I think my, kids have been to more breweries than they have restaurants. Yeah. Just cause that's kind of, you know, what us 30 somethings and 40 somethings yeah. do. Um, but for me, no, my kid loves going to the brewery. It's you know 21 months and she's, you know, she loves like banging on stainless when, uh, when the brewers are cool and whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, shiny things. Yep. But, uh, you know, we recently just did a, uh, collaboration beer with Andrew Grumman from Andrew Grumman in the wilderness. Um, something corporate Jack's mannequin. And it was all kind of derived from, he has a charity mm-hmm. for cancer. Um, so every bottle sold, we donated a dollar toward his charity. Um, that was fun. You know, we kind of sat down and, you know, he's, he was honest. He's like, I don't drink a lot of beer. Um, but what I do drink is I like to drink an old fashioned. So we took that idea and created an old fashioned Berliner. How'd you um, do it? It was our Berliner base. We added a little bit more amber malt to kind of get that amber color mm-hmm. that, uh, um, old fashioned would have. So and you wanted used, the look too, not just yeah. the flavor. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. And then uh, maraschino cherries, oak spirals like yeah. to emphasize kind of that, you know, the wood yeah. part of it. Um, and then orange peel. Okay. So it came, it came out great. He was super happy about it. We went to the show in Chicago and it was a, a big charity event show and he, he, you know, he hyped up the collaboration and 
we got to hang out and, you know, we signed a blown up album art that we're going to hang out in the brewery. Um, but I think, you know, as we continue to get bigger and bigger, um, I'd, I'd love to bring on more artists as they come in town. We're five minutes away from Allstate Arena in Chicago. Um, I'd love to have some of those artists come in while they're in and if they want to just have a beer or if they want to get involved and do something from the from ground up. Yeah. Because um, I know I know these guys are drinking beer um, and you see not just even music. You've got athletes. you got me. Um, I know like Chris Bosch, you know, mm-hmm. I had actually just given some beer to um, M&M's manager, Paul Rosenberg. Um, and we can get, well, I'll side by that for a second. Come okay. back to it. But I was like, Hey, did you get that box of beer? He's like, yeah, I totally know I did because I gave Chris Bosch some. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's a home brewer. He's into beer. Um, it's, it kind of just spans across everybody, race, age, whatever. It's people drink beer and they look to craft beer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the M&M thing, I had made a beer called Slim Hazy. And then I got an email from Paul Rosenberg. And, yeah. and that's what I thought. The cease and desist was coming. I'm like, oh, okay. It was like a five o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> I was just about to leave for the day. <laughs> Get the email and I'm like, and I know Paul Rosenberg's name. Like that's, he's, he's everything yeah. I wanted to be in the industry from A&R to management and all that good stuff. And I was like, oh God, I'm in trouble. And now it was the opposite. It was, hey, I saw you did a beer called Some Hazy. That's super, super cool. I love craft beer. And he went back into how like his wife's from near Elk Grove Village and this and that. And he's like, you know, if you could send me some, would you? And I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know why I have an email from you in my inbox, but this is amazing. Yes. So, um, yeah. And the, I know the he, cost of shipping beer is a lot less than attorney fees. A hundred percent. So yeah. And you know, we got, I actually got to sit down with him in New York and talk, um, just music industry. And he was very intrigued about the, the brewing industry and he didn't understand the whole collaboration aspect of it. And I had just been in New York collaborating with Finback. Um, so we, you know, he's super intrigued and he was like, well, maybe one of these days we can do a, you know, Def Jam collaboration with microphone. And I'm like, done whenever you want to come out and do it let's do it so you know i think this the the two things play together and i you know beer drinkers are listening to music and musicians are drinking beer so so we're recording this uh 11 days into the new year uh happy birthday to your mom by the way (laughs) Um, and to you as well oh thanks so much and um i I, I'm, i'm curious so looking back at 2018 how many collaborations did you do Ooh, you know i was going through this on the plane the other day and i i think i was close to I don't want to lie, but I think it was like 35. Okay. Somewhere around there. That's yeah. a lot. That's it is. A lot. Yeah, it is. I mean, during Fobab, which is the festival of barrel aged beer in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, all these brewers had come in town and they're like, Hey, can we collab? And so I think that was, that was <laughs> intense. You just have people like stacked up one, one by yeah, one. It's like, well, it's we like, can fit you in on Thursday at 4am. Six, but you have six to be collabs done. like yeah. within that time frame. Holy so crow. It was nuts. Yeah. But, um, but you're also traveling to do collabs yeah, as well. Yeah. A lot of it, you know, a lot of it stems from the festivals that we've been invited to now. And, yeah. um, to, to make it worth its time. Um, we also you know, try to find people that we've linked up with before and um, like-minded brewers. Um, we're not just going to do a collab to do a collab. It's got to make sense. And it's got to be um, something that's genuine and something that isn't the first conversation piece. It's like, hey, you want a brewery? We should collab someday. It should be like, case in point is with Lee at Outer Range. I had gone okay. out to Outer Range because Sean from Cerebral had recommended it. Um, went there, loved the beer, sent Sean note and said, thanks for the recommendation. This beer locks blocks of light is amazing. He sent that text to Lee and Lee's like, Hey, sorry, I missed him. If he's still around, have him come back the next day. I did. We talked for an hour and a half. We realized we both own our own businesses. We both start off. We have uh, daughters. Um, all this stuff kind of just rolled into, we have so much in common. And then afterwards, like, Hey, next time you come back, let's brew. And I'm like, yeah, likewise, come up by me. So those are where that's, it makes sense. And, you know, we do go to these fests 
it, it's a fest every weekend nowadays. It's nuts. But we you, pick and choose those battles. Again, this is when when I wish we had video because you sort of closed your eyes just just for half a second, but in that sort of exhausted, you know, because it is exhausting. I mean, this is yeah. it, it, the fest. Uh, the fest life sounds like a lot of fun, but it is. It's it's tiring. It is, and it's it's hard to balance it because you know we're still a small company, so I have yeah. to make sure that the guys back home sure. are doing what they're doing to keep the business moving forward. I've got a family at home, so I've got to you know sure. check in and make sure they're not they're not thinking I'm abandoning them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're ping ponging back and forth across the U.S. nonstop, and you know with the the turn of the calendar, it's you got a lot of festivals up in the front of the year. So we're here in Colorado. I'm in California in two weeks. Then I'm in Miami. Then back to California. Then to Nashville. Then to New York and Copenhagen and all this stuff. So it's just, it's, it's exhausting, but it's also a lot of fun because you get introduced to new markets. You get introduced to new breweries that you may never, you know, brush shoulders with before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a fun way for us to kind of expand our, you know, we're a small, small brewery located just outside of Chicago. People may have never heard of us, but if we go to a fest in say San Diego, you know, that's opens up to us and people fly in all the time. Cause we're right next to O'Hare airport. So we get those people coming in like, Hey, I heard, so and so, all right, I saw you at this fest. I'll come check you out next time. And so that helps. It really yeah. does. Um, it's it's worth the time. It's worth the energy to come out to these fests and do it. And I love that. And I mean, when I first quit the music industry, you know, I was traveling a lot for that, going to South by Southwest and doing a lot of trips to New York and Nashville. And I thought, with the brewery, I'm never going to leave the cage. I'll be stuck in the back making beer every day long. I'm traveling more than I could have ever imagined. Huh. Um, Racking up those uh, delta points. Yeah, right. And it's it's uh it's been fun and. You know, last year into this year, we've got invited to some of, you know, these bucket list fests that I have on my list, you know, McKellar's MBCC in Copenhagen. We finally got our own invite. Okay. Even this one, you know, Big Beers this is my first year ever doing Big Beers here yeah. in Breck. Um, so we're super excited to be a part of that. All right. So what you, I, I want to talk about the actual specific beers that you're making, though, because they are – you use the word genuine when you're doing this. And, 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 and I, I want you to unpack that a little bit as to, you know, what that means for you, because a lot of the time when I see these collabs that are happening and some of the stuff that you're doing, it's sort of just like I mentioned earlier, like general fuckery of, you know, Hey, we're going to, you know, we got this weird ingredient or, you know, like let's, you know, screw around and boundary push and, 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 and that kind of thing. And I guess that speaks to you guys being genuine in that whole thing. But I mean, what, what's a beer I, I, like, like walk me through like one beer from start to finish that you think sort of exemplifies what you want to get out of these collaboration experiences. So I think, I mean, I'll just go back to the outer range one. Um, that we did a, uh, yesterday. We did our third collab together at out here in Frisco mm-hmm. and he's done one out by me. Um, the second time we collabed out here, we made a stout Okay. Lee has never made a stout in his entire life, not even homebrewing. And so he kind of was like, shocking. I know. And so when he was out by me, he was drinking all of our stouts and he's like, I, I'm, I'm in love. And like, I would, I'm, I think I'm ready to finally make a stout. Will you be there? Will you guide me and help me? And I was like, done, you know, for sure. So we made that stout. Feels like <laughs> help the first me, time. Microphone. You're my <laughs> only hope. Yeah. yeah. But that's to me, like, that's what I like about doing collabs is that we sit down from, from the start, we write the recipes together um, if it's a brewery coming into microphone to brew, I want them to put their thumbprint on it. People know what microphone's thumbprint is back home. But if you're coming in and people's never been ever heard of you, I want you kind of put your spin on it. Maybe you dry hop differently than we do. Maybe you use a different kind of grain. Um, so I, I like to have that influence kind of showcased when they come mm-hmm. into microphone. But if I'm going on the road, if they let me, I'd like to showcase you know, some ingredients that we use or stuff that we find that is helpful and reliable. 
Um, so then that way the two different markets are seeing, oh, wow, interesting. I can see the difference in this beer. Um, and I think that's where the genuineness comes to it. It's, we're not just throwing darts at a board and say, hey, I got this bag of grain and these ingredients. Let's but, just make a beer. What, but that's what some of these often feel like. Yeah, we've never gone that route. And that's just, um, I, I'm fine on pointing that. I think I, I really, I think we should both parties and the consumer should get something out of these collaborations, whether it be pushing the boundaries, you know, introducing a stout to a person who's never produced stout or using some ingredients that we think could be really fun to make something happen with a beer. Like when we did the beer at Weldworks with, um, you know, cereal, it was, it was kind of, what are we doing? But what kind of cereal it. do you use? Uh, Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Um, it was fun. It turned out great. Um, but you know, that one was kind of that kind of fucker idea, but yeah. we're like, Hey, let's try this. And you know, we both have played with cereal before. Let's try this together and see what happens out of it. Um, I don't know. And I, I, I find a lot of um, trust in these brewers when they say, hey, come brew with me. You know, that, that, sh- that shows that they understand what we're doing. They want to let us come into their house and brew with them. Um, and then, you know, that beer is going to be on tap or going out to dish show with their name on it. And well, so it still has to have like their brand to live up to, you know. And, so that, just, and that's sort of the thing. Have you run into any where they just didn't work and you had to dump? Um, as far as collabs, no. Okay. Every collab has been fine. Okay. Um, we've, <laughs> we've had a dump. piece of wood to knock, yeah. We've had to dump two beers out of microphone like right off the bat because our system just failed us. Okay. Um, we're not afraid to dump beer either. Right. Uh, but no, none of the collabs, I think, I mean, we, like I said, we, we rely on what ingredients we know work as the base. Um, and then if there's something that's kind of weird and funky, we kind of try to do our best to research it. Um, and if we know another brewery has used something before, We'll ask them, hey, we're planning on doing this. Would you mind letting us know how much you use per pound or what were your recommendations? And that's where we can rely on this network of brewers that we have. So we recently just did a beer with oysters in it. Um, and I've never brewed a beer with oysters. You know, homebrew or pro level, um, the brewery that we were collabing with, they had um, a friend who did it. And he was like, here's what we used. Here's what we we're going for. What are you guys going for? We're like, well, we don't want so much of the earthiness. We want more of the saltiness. And like, here's your perfect range. Hmm. And we, we went with it. And so... Yeah. That stuff works, and it's not just, like, again, we're not just throwing darts at a board and seeing what works, what doesn't work. It's got a lot of thought process to it, and um, some of these things take months to come into fruition, too. That one with the oysters, like, we had talked about it for six months, um, and then finally, like, it just came came the right time to do it. But in that time, we talked about it, we built the recipe, we came up with a cool name for it, um, really had a specific goal with what the beer was going to be, um, and, you know, executed on it. What's a brewery? that you haven't collaborated with that you would like to? <laughs> I was just having this conversation a few days ago. Um, for me, I think, you know, a lot of people compare us to Monkish. Um, and I, I just recently actually got to meet Henry. Um, he, they do a lot of hip hop references. They do a lot of hazy beers now. Um, and I think it would just, you know, the, the two brands kind of would link up and I think we'd come up with a really cool beer name off of hip hop reference. Um, do some kind of fun hazy IPA. Um, yeah, so that was like the first one that would come to my mind. I mean, honestly, the breweries I brew with have knocked off my whole bucket list. It's, it's been crazy that we've gotten to be able to do that. Um, there's a few coming up in the next few months that, you know, we're, we're going to fill up that, that list. Like we're brewing with McKellar in San Diego. Um, and it's just, those to me are like, I, it, 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 it floors me that I get to brew with these people. Um, have you come across an ingredient and said, wait, I want to do something with this ingredient with this particular brewery? Like, has it, has it gone backwards that way? No, it hasn't. It really okay. hasn't. Um, it, it, it hasn't. I mean, there were times that I know certain breweries have, you know, 
a good thumb or a good stronghold on barrel aging, right? So when we wanted to do a beer at, at Weldworks, we're like, you know, I trust their, their barrel aging program. So that's what we need the blend of rum barrels and whiskey barrels and sweet disposition came out of that and it turned out amazing. Um, so it was like one of those things where I know, I wouldn't recommend, hey, let's put that in barrels if I, this brewery had never done a barrel aged beer before. Um, so that kind of works in that way. But as far as like a specific ingredient and be like, hey, we should use this together, haven't yeah, done hasn't. that. Um, there were some times though when, you know, I would sit back and be like, I wonder if there's a way that we could make this kind of a Chicago themed beer and people would use the ingredient that would have like some Chicago roots to it, but everything leads back to a hot dog and there's nothing really in a hot dog that I think we can make beer with. So, <laughs> well, I mean, Chicago dogs though. I mean, you got the relish. Yeah. And you got the peppers and you got the, just no ketchup. Do not put ketchup. No, that's, it's, it's a cardinal <laughs> sin out there, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, uh, take your Heinz and get the hell out of here. Exactly. Um, one of the things that, that we've talked about previously that I, that I'm really, I, I really like your take on all of this is how you incorporate health into beer. And, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the balance early on of, you know, making sure that what's happening back at the brewery uh, is managed okay when you're on the road and certainly when you're there. And then also, you know, having a young family and, you know, making sure that you're there for that. I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot, and then it's personal health as well, which, which I know is, is, is important to you. Um, and it's something that is being talked about more and more and more these days. And I think is, is, is great that it's coming to the forefront because when you do run a small business, from what I've been told, uh, it is, you know, it, it's all consuming and, you know, when you, when you talk to folks like afterwards, uh, you know, 20 years in, it's like, well, what would you have done different? And it's, I wish I had more time with my family or I wish I had, you know, X, Y, or Z. And it's always these balanced things. And I think that that's sort of the, the, it, it is, a, it's, it's, it's a tightrope walk, right. For doing all of that. And yep. I mean, from at least by appearances, you seem to be doing it fairly well. I mean, like I don't go to your house and actually check up on you, but, uh, but you know, but this is something that it seems you've spent a lot of time being mindful of and then putting into practice. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, there's no lie that when I first started this industry, I was weighing 180 pounds and you know, here now I'm sitting at 215, right? We drink beer a lot. We eat garbage yes, we on did. the road. And yeah. a lot of it came from just these long days. I mean, we were a small, small team of two of us, you know, and we're, we're cranking out 14, 16 hours a day and you come back and do it again the next day. Um, so there wasn't time to kind of take a break and, and work out and stuff like that. And, as we've kind of gotten into this groove now that we, you know, we, we typically work nine to five. We're not going beyond that much. Um, there's some days that we have just a, a half day. Mm-hmm. Um, but those days for me, I'm trying to get out and be more active. And obviously with my kids being six and almost three, you know, they keep me active as well. Um, and just always kind of being mindful of that. I think one of the things that we started looking at and you see the posts about it, like diabetes, diabetes beers all the time. Um, with these big, sweet and adjunct yeah. stouts, yeah. is that we started looking at calories and be like, whoa, we're really putting a lot of calories in here. Um, and so for us, um, consuming during the day is, has gone way down. We got to be conscious of it. And, you know, with drinking leads to bad eating and all those decisions, it's just a bad snowball. Effect. And then you have, you yeah, know, those French fries always seem like a really good idea after, you know, the fourth pint. Yeah. yeah poor sleep and all that stuff. So yeah. for me, this last year was a lot about um, biking and, you know, and we've actually linked up with a, several guys in Chicago brewers as well that have gotten the same mindset and started working out more and biking more. Um, and it's been fun. It's before we did before Fobab, we jumped on our bikes and cruised around Chicago. Um, when we were out here for uh, GBF, we did like a 60 mile ride out to Jesus, golden and yeah. back in. 
Um, so we're trying to trying to really get that incorporated in our lives. Unfortunately, I just tore my ACL, MCL, and damaged my meniscus. So I'm a can only do a three quarter revolution on the bike right now. But uh, I'm hoping these next six months I can get back on my feet and you know get back to working out. You're you're walking pretty well though. Um, yeah, for only three weeks after surgery, it's amazing what modern medicine can do nowadays. <laughs> but you know, I I think. Right now, we're at 7,100 breweries. There's another 1,000 or so that the Brewers Association says uh, is in planning. In planning. Yep. Uh, and a lot of these will be small places like yours, you know, 1,000 barrel. I mean, it's uh, we had Dave Engers from Founders on the podcast uh, a couple couple months ago, and he, uh, I think, somewhat accurately said that they're probably going to, Founders will probably be the last million barrel brewery sure. in the U.S. You know, so these delusions of grandeur that people have of like, oh, man, I'm going to be a, you know, regional 30,000 barrel player. Yeah, you're shaking your head. No. I, it, it's just, it, it's I also don't think there's that path of growing your business fast and selling it. I don't think that exists anymore either. Sure. But for anybody who might be starting something, like what, where do you tell them? Like, what have you learned that you think is? I think we actually asked, talked about this in the last one. Yeah. And my, my answer was, I don't know how it would start because this is such a competitive game nowadays. And you have to be able to make some of the best beer out there time after time after time. Sure, we take risks, but we, we hopefully they're calculated. Um, some of the beers we do are seen as gimmicky, but they're fun for us, right? To keep us, you know, finding influence from what stuff we eat or when we go and travel and yeah. get ideas from that. And those are things that kind of help us distinguish microphone who they are. We're not just making a, a blonde porter. We're making some crazy weird beers, but it's who we are. And it's a lot of thought process to deconstruct, let's say, um, a, a cheesecake and try to figure out a way to make that into a beer and have all those flavors emulated with real products. How'd you do that? Um, so it's it's a ton of a ton of ingredients, but it's blueberries, lemons, graham cracker, and cinnamon for the crust. Yeah. Then we had lactose and vanilla, um, and so all the kind of melds together to make this cheesecake. But you're not getting the tang out of that though. Like, Lemon. Yeah. And then there's uh, there's cheese there's like this cheesecake um, like Jello pudding type thing that we can use. So yeah, it's it all comes together. We just brewed that um, shortly before I came out here. Um, but it what's, tasted great. What's the, the base style amazing. of beer for that? Uh, we did an IPA. Okay. So a, a milkshake. <laughs> a a milkshake. Yeah. IPA. Yeah. Milkshake. Great. So, I mean, obviously with the milkshake, vanilla and lactose are already in that. Yeah. That's a key ingredient to pies and cakes and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, going back to it, I think what where I had the benefit was that I could incubate the brand for five years before we actually went pro. I had glassware and t-shirts and a blog as a home brewer. Yeah. I was able to utilize Facebook and on the outside people thought it was a real brewery, but it was just a homebrew basement shop. Um, people were wearing our t-shirts since day one and going to fests and I get snaps of people at dark Lord day wearing microphone shirts and being proud about it, excited about it. Yeah. Um, having the ability to kind of shadow at spiteful and 18th street and Pipeworks and pig mines and all those guys. And you know, that first year when I was getting that uh, brew pub going, I was able to be, you know, Brewers would bring me in, let me work for them as their assistant brewer for a week at a time or sometimes months at a time um, and really kind of get my feet wet and kind of understand not just what it is to make beer. We can all make beer. That's sometimes the actually easiest part of it all. It's how do we plan our schedule? How do we market this product? How do we run a business? How do we engage our consumers? How do we make sure we're doing the right things? And how are we managing our money? Yeah. Um, and when you're starting off, you're blowing through money so fast. Every day was just a bleeding of money. Um, you know, and thankfully the contract brewing allowed me to kind of get the brand out there, bring in a little bit of revenue. Um, but once we were building that place out, it was just every day, money, 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 money. And I think we were down to like our, literally our last dollar the day before we opened up. We were having wow. to use triclamps from tanks that weren't full yet to, you know, 
just to get by. Um, but and so that's it gets, the stuff that just doesn't get talked about enough. No, I mean, because <laughs> it, it's it, not sexy. It's not. It's fun. not. It's not yeah. You know, it's not the you know slamming pints down and you know bros cheering each other. Kind yeah, of no one like wants it. to see that. We have to have the the guys come and rot a, a diaper out of the drain. Yeah, we had to close the tasting room because of that. Like that's not fun for anybody, right? But that stuff. So happens. right now, beer Twitter is being like, "Well, that's why you shouldn't have kids at your brewery." <laughs> <laughs> I'll, trust me, I'll sacrifice that. But no, like, you know, the, <laughs> the heat went out the other day and those things are, you know, we've got. And that's a huge check when you have yeah. to write it. You know, you think about home repair, you know, that's a couple hundred bucks, but right, right off the bat for, you know, something your size, I yeah. imagine it's. Chillers, you know, those things get, especially in the Midwest, we go from extreme cold to extreme hot and these chillers are just getting worked hard. So those things are constantly getting, you know, blowing motors or popping fuses and stuff like that. So. But I think I think if someone and actually I've been I've been working with someone who's trying to get a brewery open in Kansas City, um, and I was like, if you've got time right now, just take the time. Yeah. You know, start seeding your brand out there. Start building a story up. Attend events. Get your name out there. Come into it, and then a year and a half from now or two years from now, have a solid plan ready to go. And then by then you already have a, a core base of followers who are excited for it. But, but if you just come out as another brewery, just another brewery. Sure. But in that though, I, I, I mean, we, we can't ignore quality, right? Because if you have all this hype coming into it uh, and you create a, even just a meh beer, like it, 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 I think it, it, in some ways it, it might, it's, it's even harder. That's why we dump batches one sure. and two. We yeah. had to because we can't come out of the gate with bad beer. So no, you have to, <laughs> you have to thing, establish yeah. as I'm saying like that, the year and a half or two years before dial in your recipes, you know, kind of figure out what End is processes and know yeah, how what it is works your, what is works, your niche? Yeah. What is your style you're going for? Um, and have those things rock solid. So from when you do brew those first batches and release those first batches, you know, they're going to be good and, and home runs. But if you're just going to be taking a shot in the dark and hoping for the best, it's not going to work out because there is so much competition. If your first beers are meh or bad, they're gonna go into the guy ten, 10 minutes down the road, and I will come back to you. And and that's the thing. Like I, I enjoy going to breweries on opening weekends. Like I love the energy. I love the excitement behind it. You know, I love seeing the smiles on the on the owners' faces and the brewers' faces and everything else like that. And then when I get a beer that is just, like, not even close to be ready for prime time, it it is so disheartening. And yep. it's happening more and more uh, than than it than it used to. And I mean, even in Jersey where I am right now, I was at a brewery not too long ago that's been open for about six months and they have major carbonation issues, major carbonation issues. And I, I mentioned it to the bartender. He's like, yeah, you know, we, we, we've been told like we got to, you know, figure out like why it's happening that way. And then like he like, you've been told like, you should have done that one time. And it's like, well, <laughs> Christ, like, you know, so it, it's things like that. So it's. I think like that. That's the that's the thing. There's a lot of fun behind opening up a brewery and a lot of excitement from uh, the manufacturers, but also the the community. Yeah. But like, I mean, for us, our tasting room will be open two years in March. Um, and I still like. There's some days the it feels like one. it's 20 years that we've been there. There's also days that like I can remember that opening weekend, and I can remember being face to face with consumers for the first time because we did contract brew and we did straight to distro. Yeah. It was drop you off at a store, move on to the next store. The only time we ever got to interact with consumers was at fests. And we mm -hmm. did a handful of fests because we didn't have enough beer to be at every fest. Yeah. Um, so for us to finally get that taste room open, seeing them come and experience microphone for the first time, me being able to talk to them in real time, get real time feedback on the beer was incredible, but also nerve wracking. Every time we released a new beer, I would just sit there and be like, oh my God, I hope they like it. I really hope they like it. I hope they like it. And then, you know, the 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 face-to-face -face feedback would be helpful. And then we'd go on and tap and just make sure. Um, but it's it was nerve wracking. And, we 
we always strive to make the best beer possible. And that's like going back to not sacrificing ingredients, um, not rushing beer. We let the beers kind of dictate the calendar um, and, you know, having to make those tough decisions. And, you know, with us getting as creative as we are, we have had some instances where some beers went south on us. Some of these ingredients that we thought would work um, just didn't hold the test of time or um, needed to be stored at a cold temperature. And if they weren't, it just, they went south. So we took responsibility of that. And then it took a while for us to understand or even know how to do that. Um, Because we don't have, we have a lab, but we don't have a a, a primetime lab like a Goose Island would. Um, So we couldn't have this, like when they had the Bourbon County issue, we didn't have that same access to figure that out. So it took us some time. We had to, you know, get a lot of feedback from consumers because our test bottles were kind of in a controlled environment. None of that was showing up for us. Sure. So this thing took, you know, what consumers thought was, you know, way too long. For us, we had to make sure that it was consistent and going in. And when we did, we did a huge announcement out there on you know, our social medias, uh, obviously to everyone in the taste room, and we're still honoring those bottles. So if you have a bottle or if you had a bottle and it's on your credit card, we'll look it up and we'll make a refund because we know how important that is. We want people to know that we're trying to make the best beer possible. And if they have a bad experience, that could turn them away. So we want to make sure that that bad experience turns into a good experience. Yeah, it's tough to come back from something like that. Yeah. So we were lucky that, you know, the core of our audience understood that um and the reality is it happens often yeah um because we are all trying new stuff and we don't have time to incubate a test batch um but you know we have to take responsibility for it it's not their fault they're spending harder money they think and they come to us for real reliability and consistency and if something does go south then that's on us not them sure so we had to own up to it do you have a hope for beer I hope, and I think we talked about this last time and it still holds true, is that I just hope it, it lasts. I hope people really continue to embrace this. Yeah. Um, it's become such a big part of communities. It's become a huge part of the neighborhoods. Um, in Elk Grove, you know, we're the only brewery in Elk Grove, and we've gotten the support from the mayor. We've gotten support from the board, um, local businesses. They all love it. We do an annual festive year that all the money goes to a charity in the community. Um, and they have embraced it. And at first they didn't, but now that they've seen what we can do and see the revenue and see the, the profits and charity, they love it. They absolutely love it. And, you know, they, they treat it as their own and they, they want to look out for us. We look out for them and it's been great. So I hope, you know, if we do get to 7,000 or 8,000 or 10,000, whatever, um, I just hope that people continue to embrace it. And I really hope that, um, it just continues to be a part of our lives. Yeah. Um, and you know, you never know what tomorrow brings. And this is going to be a tough year for a lot of people. I think 2019, as we're seeing this rapid growth, you're going to see some of these breweries who expanded in the last two years, going from a seven barrel to a 30 barrel, mm-hmm. um, really having to make some tough decisions. Do we go outside of our market? Do we make this a national brand? Do we somehow downsize? Um, and you're starting to see a lot of closings. But I mean, a few years ago, yeah. opening a brewery was a hundred percent success rate. There was yeah. no closures. It was, sure. it was one of those things where it was an easy deal for an investor done. I'll do it. Nowadays, that's not the case. No. And you're seeing some, some big names go down. Um, and you're starting to see a push for people to go back to that, the core brands, right? Like you're seeing a lot of drink Sierra Nevada pale ale again, like yeah. get back to that. Yeah. Um, Which is wonderful. That beer's, that beer's a huge influence for most breweries, honestly, yes. that beer. And you even got beers like Miller high life and stuff like that, that still have a strong hold for us and fat tire, you know, those beers kind of, gave us excitement um, and gave us that, that idea that we could make beer. Um, a lot of us were homebrewing those recipes back in the day too. Yeah. Um, so I, like I said, I really hope that craft beer continues to be a, a part of our lives, um, continues to grow. 
Um, and then that there's a way that we can figure out to all kind of continuously commingle and work together and, you know, help each other in, in tough times. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where, we'll see what happens. But like I said, 19 is going to be an interesting year. Everything that I've been reading about, um, from the blogs to the podcast I listen to, um, it's just, it's going to be one of those years that really make people make some tough decisions. Yeah. Hands down. It'll be curious to see what happens, uh, at the end of it. Um, before we go, I want to say thanks to this episode's sponsors. G&D Chillers is the brewing industry's premier choice for glycol chilling. The American Homebrewers Association is the organizer of the National Homebrew Competition. And bring the world to your brew house with select ingredients from BSG. Thanks to all of them. And Mike Palin, thanks to you for sitting down again this Always time a pleasure. here in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you? Um, so we are located in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. Um, so if you fly into O'Hare Airport, yeah. look us up. We're, I think, one of the closest breweries to the airport at this point right now. Perfect. Um, we have a 45-person occupancy tasting room right now, but we are in the process of getting the expansion done, which hopefully will be by March, I want to say. And 47 people. And that'll double us, at least interior, to 100. Plus, we'll have an outdoor patio, finally, as well. Cool. So that's good. Come come and drink at the source. It's We always have two new beers, if not three new beers a week. Um, you can buy bottles to go. You can drink on draft. Soon you'll be able to buy cans to go. <laughs> <laughs> super exciting. Uh, it's super exciting. The line then, forms to the right. Yeah, completely. And then, uh, yeah, you know, we, we use social media hard to kind of not just sell and promote. We actually don't try to sell and promote. We try to tell our story. Yeah. Um, this is still, I still talk in the first person day in and day out because this is something that you know I created in my basement with my wife and uh, it's still our story and our employees get in part of that and we allow them to to make beers and kind of showcase what they do so this is our story that we want to tell so follow us on facebook.com uh, slash microphone brewing instagram we don't use twitter but uh, instagram and facebook are our big socials and then uh, we do have a website microphonebrewing.com um, and see us out at fest we're, we're going to be everywhere I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> coming it's soon be a, to a city near yeah, you yeah it's going to be a crazy crazy uh 2019 for us on the road. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, listeners, if you have questions for me, guests you'd like to hear, topics you'd like addressed, you can reach out to me at John Hall. It's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beerandbrewing.com. Or, boy, the altitude is uh, is getting to me here at Breckenridge. <laughs> I have to take more breaths than usual. Um, yep. Or join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Uh, also go to beerandbrewing.com. There you can subscribe to the magazine. Please, please, please subscribe to the magazine where you'll be able to uh, read a story about Mike in an upcoming uh, issue, which I don't think I told you about, but I am going to write an article about you for an upcoming issue. Fantastic. And, uh, and more. Uh, homebrew recipes, what's happening in the craft beer scene, and insight from the world's best brewers right now are in our pages so uh, go to beerandbrewing.com look at the content uh, sign up for our video classes and certainly subscribe to the magazine and we will be back next week with an all new episode so thanks so much for listening Mike thanks again cheers cheers this podcast is brought to you by craft beer and brewing magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.